Do you want to run further, faster, or stronger? Do you want to enjoy your running more and generally be a better version of yourself? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Alan Ladd, a running coach and nutritionist. My aim is to help you improve your running from 5Ks to ultras by providing you with the knowledge and tools you need on training, nutrition, and mindset, as well as giving you the inspiration to dream bigger, achieve more in your running, and to make it fun at the same time. Welcome to the Running Rules Podcast. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 43 of the Running Rules Podcast, Strength, Speed, and Endurance Through Nutrition for Runners. This is a deep dive episode primarily into the macronutrients of food. Last week, we talked about food as a more general concept and how to get enough of everything that is in that food, all the different nutrients. But today we're gonna focus on the three macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrate, and how those are gonna give you strength, endurance, and speed if you get them in the right quantities in your diet. So today we're gonna start with protein, um, and protein is Greek for the important one. And the reason it's called the important one is uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but if you didn't get any protein, you would generally waste away and die. Now, don't be too alarmed. That's probably not going to happen unless you are eating very simple foods with no protein at all, which is very unlikely. Um, But it is very important to focus on it. And it's something that until very recently... I had not really put enough focus on. And the reason that we need it as runners especially is because we're doing a lot of um, a lot of work, a lot of micro trauma is happening with every step that we take. And hopefully we're also doing some strength work at the same time. I did a strength episode with Ollie McCarthy a few weeks ago. So if you want to find out more about strength training, go back to that episode. I think it was 39 or 40. Um, Check that out with Ollie and we go into uh, how strength is going to help you as a runner. But alongside that strength training, which tears down muscle fibers as you're doing any kind of lifting or movement, those fibers need to be rebuilt and the way that your body is going to do that is by using protein. And protein has to come from your diet. It's the only thing in your diet in the macronutrients that contains nitrogen. So you can't make proteins from carbohydrate or fat. There's no nitrogen in those compounds. So your body has to use protein from the diet. Now it can synthesize some of the protein that it needs from other protein in the diet. And what I mean by that is protein is a a general term for different types of amino acids. And amino acids are the, the building blocks of protein. They come together in different arrangements to make the different muscles, organs, tissues in the body uh, based on your particular DNA. But there's 20 different amino acids that our body uses and nine of them we cannot get, we cannot synthesize in the body. So 
Those are called essential amino acids, which you might have heard of. These are ones that we have to get uh, in our diet, in our food. The other 11 we can synthesize from other amino acids, but we need all of them to make into different muscles and tissues. So it's really important that we source enough protein in our diet to be able to do that repair work. Otherwise, after we've done all of this work in running or strength training, we're not properly recovering. Um, with this may still be some damage there. We're not getting stronger as much as we should. And it's the protein in our diet that's really going to help us um, to get that repair and get that strength that we need as runners. So there's other things in the body that pro uh, proteins are used for, primarily um, enzymes, which are used for different uh, reactions in the body. And those also um, are made from proteins as well. And the other thing about protein is that we can't store it in the body. Um, when we ingest it, we either use it or we lose it. So we will store, obviously, protein in muscles when we're building that up. But if we cannot use all of the protein that we ingest in one meal, then we're probably going to lose some of that. And that is also why we need to keep on taking it in every day and if possible, several times a day as well. So it's not as optimal to take in all of your protein content at one meal. It also wouldn't be very practical either because the amount of protein that you probably optimally want is going to be very filling uh, in one meal. Now, there's certain dietary protocols, for instance, intermittent fasting, where you have a smaller window to eat um, your calories, which is a way of calorie controlling a diet. And one of the issues with that is the amount of um, opportunity that you get to, to ingest protein and use that in the body. So it's best to have your protein in, in many different servings throughout the day. Usually three to five is, is gonna be optimal. And the amount of protein that we need as runners, it's obviously going to be a sliding scale of if you under eat protein, that's gonna not be as good. Then you'll slide through to a, a, a sufficient amount and then you can go higher and higher you get to a point where more is not going to equal better because you, your body simply can't use enough of it. Um, it's probably not going to be detrimental in any way. Um, there's been a lot of studies on protein and very high intakes don't seem to correlate with any potential issues down the line, but it's also very difficult to give um, a long-term view on anything like a you know a diet that has a lot of protein over many years probably hasn't hasn't been studied but f fair enough to say that there's been enough studies done over a reasonable amount of time to say that very high protein intakes is probably not going to be an issue but i think for most people it's going to be getting enough is going to be the issue so 
the recommended amount for runners uh, endurance runners would be 1.4 grams per kilogram of body weight so for a 70 kilogram person that's going to be roughly 100 grams per day and you can as i say you can split that up between three to five servings in a day so that's going to be in and around 20 to 35 grams in each serving um, which is is quite a lot uh, depending on what you eat so a lot of uh, there'll be a lot of protein in certain meats and fish um, if you're a vegetarian as I am it's sometimes a little bit harder to get that amount of protein in and you really do need to combine sources uh, one reason that you need to combine sources as a vegetarian not only to get that whole protein content up is because a lot of plant sources only have um, some of the amino acids that you need and some of the essential ones will be missing from certain plant sources most meat sources or dairy sources or eggs are going to have a full range of the amino acids that you need but plant sources aren't going to in general have all of the amino acids and that's where pairing them up um, means that you're going to cover all of your bases so for instance you might have um, rice and peas or you might have um, nuts and tofu for instance S different types of sauces that that combine together now it's not necessary really to know exactly what's in each one you can do the research if you want and know which one's going to complement which others the best thing to do if you're a vegetarian though is have lots of different protein sources throughout the day and then you're going to be covering everything you don't really need to go to that level of detail if you're eating meat then that's going to be a lot easier to get in everything that you need and you'll probably be able to get the, those in, in in bigger quantities um, things like uh, breakfast for me is more of a uh, an issue because I would generally have um, oats with um, various things on top fruits nuts and seeds and all of those apart from the fruit the nuts and the seeds and the oats will give you a reasonable amount of protein but it's probably not going to get you to the 20 30 35 um, gram mark and that's where sometimes supplementing with an extra protein powder in there or something can can help you to get to that target of protein that you're guess, trying to get to so that is what I do I would use a protein powder in my breakfast um, to get that up if you're having meat for breakfast eggs for breakfast those are good options to be able to get your your protein content higher protein also counts to your overall energy consumption for the day a gram of protein counts for about four calories of energy and so that 100 grams of protein that i would in, i would be aiming for in the day would be about 400 calories which is going to be for me around about 20 percent of my intake for the day so somewhere in and around there is probably going to be similar for for everyone out there in terms of a percentage it might be higher or lower in terms of the amount of uh, calories or the amount of grams that you need but somewhere in and around there for 
uh, endurance runners and around about the 20% mark is going to be about right for you. But the best way to do this is to focus on the gram amount of protein rather than trying to work out the percentages with everything else that's in your diet because that's as we as we'll go on to see with fat and carbohydrate the exact percentages probably aren't too important but certainly getting enough protein is going to be important so moving on from protein we have fat as the second um, macronutrient and fat, again, is very important for the body, um, but not quite as important and critical as protein. It is used in a lot of places. Um, primarily, we use it in the walls of all the cells because it is able to keep water in and out of the cells. Um, and it's also used for vitamin absorption as well. So some of the vitamins can only be absorbed with fat as well, which is definitely worth um, considering if for instance you're supplementing with vitamin d in the winter which is one of the fat soluble vitamins always have that when you're eating some fat if you're having a meal with some fat in that's absolutely fine but if you are taking um, a vitamin d supplement and you're not eating any fat anywhere around that time then it may well not be absorbed that well so it's useful for that as well. It is a big source of energy. So it counts for nine calories per gram and we can store a lot of it. So obviously we think of fat probably primarily as body fat that we put on when we eat more and we're not using as much as we eat, then we build up the amount of fat that stores that we have. Um, and that obviously was really useful and important as an evolutionary concept because it meant that we could go potentially for days, maybe weeks without food when we were hunter-gatherers. And it would also keep us warm for the winter as well. So it has that, kind of, that property as well. For runners, um, it's going to be a huge... Um, fuel source for low intensity exercise so when we think of um, exercise intensity or anything that we do when we're doing something at low intensity we're primarily burning fat so me sitting here talking to you it's not very intense I'm going to be burning fat to do most of what I'm doing now the brain is slightly different the brain needs glucose uh, and sugars to work so it's going to be burning, it's going to be thinking, it's going to be burning carbohydrate, but the rest of my body, just here, holding my shape, moving my hands about, talking here, is going to be using fat. And that continues all the way through to when we're really um, sprinting, really putting a maximal effort in. We're still going to be burning fat all of that time. It's just that a less of a proportion of the total output is going to be coming from fat. So as your intensity rises, even through easy running, we're primarily going to be using fat if you're running slow enough, which you should be running slow in your easy runs, by the way. Um, but then you get to a point around about um, the top end of easy where you're, you're bur burning of carbohydrate is going to be 
take over from the fat. So basically you get to a point where it's 50-50 and that is around the top end of your easy range. And once you go past that, you're going to be getting into more sort of tempo effort or steadier tempo efforts, which are going to use more carbohydrate. But this is still aerobic um, capacity, aerobic work. Aerobic means that we're using oxygen to, to burn that fuel. And fat can only be oxidized with, with oxygen. It can only, be, can only be used as oxidized fat. So all the way through, any time that we're using fat, we're using oxygen. Um, so we're having to breathe. And as you get more and more intense, you're having to breathe harder to get more oxygen in to burn the fuel. That will continue um, through steady and tempo, um, but you'll be burning a higher pro proportion of carbohydrate then. Once you get past your lactate threshold, which is once you start getting into less than hour race pace, so for most people that's going to be under 10k, um, or 10k potentially for some people, possibly 10 miles, but under those race distances, 10 mile, 10k, 5k, down to 3k, even 1500 meters, that is when you're primarily going to be burning um, carbohydrate, but you're starting to also burn that carbohydrate without oxygen, which is anaerobic. And that leads to um, a buildup of hydrogen ions. You'll often hear people talking about lactic acid, and that is the byproduct of burning the carbohydrate without the oxygen. But the the burn burning sensation is from the hydrogen ions that cannot be cleared out fast enough. And that will continue on until you get to, if you're a full-out sprint, maybe up to three minutes, that's where the anaerobic system takes over. But beyond that you'll have to shut off because your muscles get too fatigued. You have too many of those hydrogen ions. You just feel a burn. So that is kind of the spectrum that we're working on. But all the time, fat is being used. So fat is a, is a huge fuel source. And especially for ultra running, um, you, you're going to be using primarily fat. In a marathon, it probably depends a little bit on your your speed. Certainly the faster marathon runners are primarily going to be uh, burning um, carbohydrate. And as you get faster, that proportion is going to be more higher and higher. But we're still burning fat in there as well. So it is really important. Now, there's different types of fat that we find in the diet. And you'll have heard of all of these, I'm sure, as well, because um, a lot of you probably grew up um, through the times where I did as well, where fats got demonized um, and everyone went on low fat diet. And this has happened for carbohydrate as well. So you have low carb diets and um, low fat diets. And it it seems to be cyclical, cyclical and keep coming around and people go into one direction and then the other. And always the truth is usually somewhere in between. So fats per se aren't bad, but there's certainly different fats and some that are potentially better for health than others. So one of the fats that you'll hear is saturated fat. And 
saturated is referring to the actual molecule and the molecule is going to be is made up of lots of carbons in a chain and hydrogen on each of the carbons and if all of the carbons have hydrogens around them surrounding them then that's a saturated fat and it's very stable and so saturated fats are quite often solid at room temperature so you can think of things like um, butter is primarily saturated fat um, coconut oil is primarily saturated fat a lot of animal fats would be um, saturated fat as well and these typically were seen as the less healthy fats um, but it's okay to have um, a split of these fats in and certainly you don't need to be cutting out um, saturated fat completely if you, you have it as about a third of your fat content then that's fine and again you don't really need to delve into working out exactly what fats are coming from where um, I think the takeaway here is just don't overeat on things like butter animal fats um, even coconut oil now coconut oil is a strange one because some people are talking about it being healthy and some people talking about it being a saturated fat and it's always a conflicting strange thing you get all of these different differing opinions and really again the the answer to everything is to not overeat don't bathe everything in coconut oil not that anyone would do but i think just moderating some of that saturated fat is probably going to be the best thing to do some of the more healthy fats that people talk about are monounsaturated um, and these are things like um, olives avocados would have mo monounsaturated fats in them and then you've got polyunsaturated as well um, and some of the polyunsaturated fats are essential again that means that we can't make them in our body um, and we have to take them in our diet so omega-3 and omega-6 are the two ones that are essential that we have to get in our diet and omega-3 is the one that we usually focus on because it's harder to get in the diet it also competes for absorption with omega-6 so um, you're better off not taking omega-3 6 3 and 6 together um, you're better off probably focusing on trying to get omega-3 supplements or sources into your diet so that's where the recommendation of oily fish um, one or two portions a week comes in because that is high in omega-3 fats but you can get them from cod liver oil for instance and if you're a vegan you can get um, algae oil supplements as well which is how I would get my omega-3 in this the one type of fat that is really not good for you is trans fats which are basically manipulated by man um, so things like partially hydrogenated oil um, which means that we we take something like a polyunsaturated fat and then we manipulate it to become more stable and that's where you where you see some of these spreadable um, margarines and and things that would be used in 
um, fast food catering. Um, that is that is where some of these trans fats come in. They're not great for the body because they're they're a bit un, they're not natural, and our body doesn't know how to deal with them properly. Um, so do have a look if you tend to use margarine to see what's in it and see if it says partially hydrogenated oils on it. Um, usually, quite often these days, um, those kind of margarines are quite often made from a blend of other things, so some buttermilk and some olive oil, for instance, and that's probably okay. That creates that blend of something that's spreadable, um, but is not from a hydrogenated oil. So in terms of how much to eat, um, the recommendation is somewhere between 20 and 35% of your total calorie intake. And partly that will come down to your preference as to what to eat. Um, some people will like to eat more carbohydrate. Some people will like to eat less carbohydrate. Um, <clears throat> that will be the primary choice because your protein content should be the same um, regardless because you're trying to have, a, have enough of the protein in there. So the rest of it's going to come from fat and carbohydrate, and that proportion doesn't overly matter too much. But certainly once you get to the point of doing harder sessions and longer sessions, that's where carbohydrate becomes more important. So personally, I would always err on the side of more carbohydrate because that is going to be the limiting factor in terms of performance. It's what we run out of. And it's what we need to burn faster and more of the more intense something is. So you can run easy and slow without, you know, fuel. You could be fasted and you'd still be fine because you have fat stores there to fuel that easy, slow running. But you're going to feel pretty rubbish if you try and do a, an interval session or a really long run at you know moderate moderate tempo or moderate speed without eating or taking in carbohydrate as well so with that in mind i would personally go towards the lower end of that spectrum of 20 to 35% um, but it really d does depend on the types of of foods that you prefer um, i think certainly as a vegetarian carbohydrate foods are are going to be very useful to get in those calories and those protein sources are quite often going to have a lot of carbohydrate alongside them so things like beans um quinoa pulses lentils they're all going to be carbohydrate um sources as well as protein sources and even things like um, bread, rice, pasta that we think of as carbohydrate sources are going to have some protein in as well. So they're quite useful sources for, for vegetarians, certainly. Um, there, there are sources um, other than meat. Obviously, meat is going to be a big protein source. Depending on what type of meat you have, um, you may find that some of, some of that meat is going to be potentially more fatty it's not necessarily going to be the best source of calories um, to have all of that animal fat so you might not 
want to go down those those fatty uh, meat routes but if you did then that would fill out quite a lot of your calorie um, requirements without getting carbohydrate in there um, but other sources things like uh, nuts and seeds are quite high in fat as well um, again probably more of the polyunsaturated uh, monounsaturated fats that are quite good for health um, so those in moderation will give you a bit of protein and also some fat as well but you're probably not going to live off nuts and seeds and avocados if you're a vegetarian you're probably going to have to have and want to have those carbohydrate sources as well so finally carbohydrate we do have as i said a limited storage of carbohydrate in the body um, it's not critical um, to get carbohydrate in and i think that's why these these diets have come in recent years of low carb diet um, as being quite popular um, it's not really a great idea for anyone that's doing marathons or under really because you're going to be running as i said at an intensity that really you need to have carbohydrate in there you can become more fat adapted by just fueling with fat and you can get better at, at burning fat and your body can get used to that to a certain extent but you're basically losing a whole fuel source if you don't use carbohydrate. Um, the whole point of having fat and then carbohydrate on top is that you have both of those pathways to give you energy when you need it, uh, which is, you know, if you're running a marathon, for instance, you're going to need that, not necessarily right at the start, but certainly as you go through and the effort gets harder and your heart rate rises, you're going to need that carbohydrate to keep you going towards the end. And that's why, you know, if people run out of carbohydrate in a race, that is where people hit the wall and they suddenly slow down because they've had carbohydrate and then they don't have it anymore. So they're relying on the fat alone to fuel that effort. And that's where, you know, you have to massively slow down. So we have limited storage we roughly can store about 2000 calories um which is probably not not really enough for a marathon a marathon's going to take up up to about 3000 calories and so yes if you're burning a third of that from fat then you just about get away with it but also once you get low then your body starts switching off that fuel source so it can sort of preempt the fact that you're getting low and start pr uh, prioritizing fat and that's where your um your effort or your your output really drops so carbohydrate is going to contribute four calories per gram um, as well as protein so fat was nine protein was four and carbohydrate is four and again, there's different types of carbohydrate that you can you can have. There are simple sugars, so we're talking about you know glucose, fructose, lactose um, that are gonna come. Um, they're they're very s simple sugars that can be broken down quickly, and then you have more complex sugars like starch, which need to be broken down first into sh smaller sugars 
once they get broken down and, and are absorbed into the body, they all act in a very similar way. Um, so fructose and glucose are slightly different. Fructose is metabolized in the liver first, and glucose will go into the, the bloodstream. But primarily, everything that's bigger than that is going to get broken down into those smaller components and then going to act in a very similar way. So people talk about fast fast-acting carbs and slow-acting carbs, and it's not always obvious and evident as to what is going to be fast or slow acting. So there is a scale called the glycemic index and you can look up what what each food it rates on this glycemic index. A high score and a high score being a hundred or, or more potentially uh, is comparable to very fast acting sugar like glucose. So a hundred would be the same as glucose, whereas something that is very low um, is a lot slower releasing, but it, it depends on a lot of different factors. So not just what the, what, what type of carbohydrate is in the food, but also what else is in it as well. Um, so something like, um, bread is going to be quite high. If it's white bread, it's going to be a little bit lower if it's whole wheat bread, cause there's going to be more fiber, potentially more protein and other things in that, which will slow that release down. So it's it's not a very easy thing to, to quantify. You have to look these things up. So the best way really to go on is how you actually feel. And there's probably different ways that you want to feel depending on the situation. So day to day, you probably want slower releasing carbs because you if you have very high um, releasing sugars all the time, say if you had, I don't know, like sweets all the time or fizzy drinks or honey, all these things that are very simple sugars and going to release energy very quickly, you'll get a big shoot up and then you get a big crash and you'll probably be hungry or um, feeling fatigued very quickly afterwards. So probably day to day, you want more complex carbs in your diet um, because that's going to sustain your energy for longer. Um, protein in with that and fat in with that is going to help because they slow the digestion process down and keep you fuller for longer. Um, but And will also make, make that release of energy slower as well. When you are needing energy very quickly that is when you want fast acting carbohydrates potentially uh, but it's also a bone of contention with some people so some people will say in a race you don't want to take fast acting um, sugars because the same thing will happen you'll get a big spike and then you'll get a crash and you'll feel rubbish again my counter to that would be that potentially can happen but if you can manage to keep on fueling through and through that is going to give you the energy faster and you're going to keep it going so you're going to keep it going to the back end of the race that would be my preferred starting point now if you're feeling like it's difficult to keep that fueling going then potentially looking at something that's slower releasing can be an can be an idea for during a long race um that might help um 
but it's definitely something that is a trial and error and is going to depend person to person. So it's not really a one-size-fits-all and it's also not really it's not really necessary to plan that out in terms of the exact glycemic index or glycemic load of everything that you eat. It's about finding things that work for you. Meals that fill you up have the right amount of carbohydrate, protein, fat in them and make you feel good. And the same with fueling in races. It's about finding things that make you feel good and keep your energy up uh, throughout the the race so the one thing as well that carbohydrate is really important for and i alluded it alluded to it before is the brain the brain needs glucose to function so that's also a reason why sometimes you can feel like um a bit confused or a bit dazed sometimes if you're carbohydrate intake isn't isn't that high and that can happen in a race for instance if your carbohydrate intake isn't great your fueling hasn't been great or you you weren't fueled well beforehand you can start getting a little bit dazed and confused um, during a race and that is just an indication that the brain needs more carbohydrate more sugar in there so carbohydrate is very important it's not essential um, in terms of the body can function without it. So I just said the brain needs glucose. What happens if you go on a keto diet, which is just protein and fat, very, very small amount of carbohydrate on a keto diet, is that your body becomes adapted to that diet and will produce um, ketones that the brain uses instead of um, the carbohydrate. So that is potential um, diet that some people follow. Um, in my opinion, it's not a great long-term solution because you're cutting out not only a lot of, uh, well, all carbohydrate, so it's going to be bad for endurance performance or, you know, races certainly below marathon and below, but you're also potentially missing out on a lot of micronutrients as well. If you're cutting out most carbohydrates, then it's going to be difficult to get uh, micronutrients in from things like grains, things like um, pulses, beans, all of those things. So yes, it's something that can be done. Should it be done? Probably not. Um, especially if you're listening to this and look, looking for performance, then it's not something I would recommend. So my recommendation would be 20, roughly 20% protein, roughly 20% fat, potentially a bit more if you prefer those kinds of foods and not as big into um, carbohydrate, big carbohydrate sources, and then 50 to 60% of carbohydrate. But again, as I said, you don't need to necessarily keep totally on top of that. The fat and carbohydrate probably balance out to the right amount if you're eating a good wide variety of foods. The thing to be cognizant of is the protein and making sure that you're getting enough protein in because that is really the most important thing in terms of repair and strength. And whilst the carbohydrate is going to be important for speed and the fat 
important for endurance. It's really the protein that we are more likely to be, fall short of um, unless we're making really restrictive choices in our diets. For instance, going for a keto diet where we're cutting out most carbohydrate. So I hope that has helped give you an overview of the different macronutrients. Protein is going to give you the strength, fat's going to give you the endurance, and carbohydrates going to give you that speed. And we need them all, um, but protein for me is going to be the one that most people need to really focus on, especially if you don't eat a lot of meat in your diet. That's where it's perfectly possible to get enough protein in, but looking at how to get that in is going to be important. Um, it doesn't necessarily just happen as I used to think it does. So if you do have any questions about any of those topics, but especially how to get protein into your diet, then do reach out to me on Instagram at The Running Rules. Really happy to answer any questions that have come up about uh, anything on this show um, or anything else as well as people go into towards the Christmas break and start thinking about spring marathons. Diet is certainly something that people start focusing probably after the Christmas period when we come into January. So remember this podcast, remember about uh, the, the topics that we talked about today. Uh, come back to it if you need to in January. Reach out to me on Instagram at The Running Rules and I will talk to you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope you've got something to take away and action in your own running. If you enjoyed the show, please hit subscribe and recommend it to someone you know. If you're struggling with your own training or want to get faster and stronger and not sure how to, therunningrules.com forward slash coaching is where you can find out more about getting personalized help with your running and nutrition to take you to the next level. Have a great week, stay consistent, focused, and most importantly, enjoy your running.